Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast today. It's Task Force Friday. Exciting. Who's on the vaccine task force in Ontario? Plus, an important message for Doug Ford on the eve of the progressive conservatives potentially voting to reward Charles McVitie. Let's get to it. Oh, baby, welcome to Task Force Friday. It's Task Force Friday. Task Force Friday. The Vaccine Task Force in Ontario has been announced. And on the Task Force Friday Task Force, a number of names, including Dr. Isaac Bogosh, who is a a bogey, as we so lovingly call him. The bogey, the bogue man. Bogosh, who is part of what I call the Greek chorus, the commentators that the media tend to go to on a regular basis, uh, who are not on the provincial health table, the command table. And now they brought the bogey on board. You see what I'm saying here? You keep the bogey close. That's how you do that. Because Mr. Bogosh, Dr. Doc Bogosh, Doc Bogey, uh, has been one of a number of commentators have, who have been critical somewhat of the Ford government in the past. Uh, Dr. Bogosh has been very measured uh, in his assessment of the Ford government's response to COVID-19. Unlike some of the other members of the Greek chorus, I'm looking at you, Dr. Michael Warner. Also on the Task Force, Task Force Friday, Mark Saunders, former Toronto police chief, is there. So Mark Saunders is there, uh, and you know what I like to think about? I, I like to imagine a conversation between Mark Saunders, former Toronto Police Chief, Dr. David Williams, the Medical Officer of Health for the province of Ontario, and Stephen Lecce, the Minister of Education. So the three of those guys would be together, and Mark Saunders would say, well, on the go forward, this is a multimodal solution. And then Williams would say, well, the framework is a framework. And then Lecce would say, well, let's just de-risk that circumstance. And then they'd all high-five each other. I don't understand that. Our work here is done. There's three guys, three three communicators that just good luck understanding them. So Mark Saunders is on your uh, Task Force Friday. <laughs> Uh, and listen, listen to this. Amir Adaran, who is a professor of law and medicine at the University of Toronto, also a member of the Greek chorus, is what I talk about. Uh, he, he pointed out, he had a few things to say about Task Force Friday. Here, I'll, I'll point out two other so who are on Task Force Friday. Uh, Dr. Dirk Heyer, that is Ontario's chief coroner. You may see him at some of the briefings uh, and the modelings. He is often there. Also on there is a C- the CEO of Linamar Corporation. Here's what Amir Adaran, the professor of law and medicine at the University of Tr- Ottawa, had to say. Ontario is such a failure, its vaccine task force includes, at the expense of scientists, a coroner, a cop, and a car parts executive. No serious place in the world does this. I think that's a bit unfair. The chief coroner has played an integral role. He's on the health uh, board. Linamar has been retooled to create ventilators. And police chief Mark Saunders, well, you know, he has experience. It's important. 
Oh, so that is Task Force Friday. I, have you seen the, the Brian Pallister thing? Have you seen this? Brian Pallister, the, uh, the premier of Manitoba, has gone absolutely viral. And why? Because he spoke from the heart. Here is an incredible piece of audio. This is the premier of Manitoba, Brian Pallister. I will do what I believe is right. And right now we need to save lives. If you don't think that COVID's real, right now you're an idiot. You need to understand that we're all in this together. You cannot fail to understand this. Stay apart. So I'm the guy who has to tell you to stay apart at Christmas and in the holiday season you celebrate with your faith or without your faith, that you celebrate with normally with friends and with family, that where you share memories and build memories. I'm that guy. And I'll say that because it will keep you safe. I'm the guy who's stealing Christmas to keep you safe because you need to do this now. You need to do the right thing because next year we'll have lots to celebrate and we'll celebrate this year if we do the right thing this year. You don't need to like me. I hope in years to come you might respect me for having the guts to tell you the right thing. And here's the right thing. Stay safe. Protect each other. Love each other. Care for each other. You've got so many ways to show that. But don't get together this Christmas. That is Brian Pallister, the Premier of Manitoba. And that clip has gone viral all around the world. It was played on... Morning Joe, for example, in the United States, and they contrasted that to the response of President Trump. Uh, and, and many people are marveling at it. it it's incredibly a piece, a vulnerable piece of uh, public speaking. It, it, it's a powerful piece of communication, as he says, I am the guy who is stealing Christmas. But if you think about it, there's not much in there that Doug Ford has not said. To be fair to the Premier of Ontario, because I think some people maybe looked at that and thought, well, now why can't we get that kind of communication here in the province of Ontario? Doug Ford has choked up more than one occasion on the Dofo Show. By the way, no Dofo Show today at 1 o'clock. No Dofo Show, because it's Task Force Friday. He said the same sort of things. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be the bad guy. But I think all of it sort of summed up in that clip that you just saw, just heard there, pardon me. Such an emotional uh, response from the Premier of Manitoba. And keep in mind that he ranks last amongst Canadian provincial leaders in a new survey. Only 32% support. He's last amongst all Premiers. 12-point drop. So that's why he's addressing that. And I'm like, I'm sure I'm going to be unpopular but maybe someday you'll respect me. I want to move on to a dispute half a world away over farming that is potentially going to have an impact on your life. And maybe it already has. And you're thinking, Alan, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know anything what you're talking about. This is all about farming in India, this next story. Now, why does that have an impact here in Canada? 
Well, of course, as you might know, we have a large Indo-Canadian community, and especially in portions of the GTA, a large Sikh community as well. And so there is a dispute going on right now in India where thousands of farmers, primarily Sikhs, but not entirely, not universally, but they're protesting reforms, farming reforms, and I'm not going to get into the particular details about the, the actual farming reform bill. Just keep in mind that there have been mass protests and there have been reactions to the protests, and there's real concern that this may escalate. It's, it's a currently a bit of a crisis going on in India. The farmers are protesting reforms that they say could devastate crop prices and reduce their earnings, and they've blocked highways on the outskirts of Delhi since last Friday. And the, the, the farmers say that the laws passed in September are going to lead to the government to stop buying grain from them at minimum guaranteed prices. And here at home, the Sikh community is paying very close attention. Jaskaran Singh Sandhu is with the World Sikh Organization. Well, when you look at these footages that are coming from Punjab or from Delhi, uh, the people making them and the people marching in there, uh, they're family. Uh, they're brothers and sisters. They're our grandparents. Uh, and, it, and it's also our people. Uh, and as Sikhs and as Punjabis, uh, we have a very deep connection uh, with, with what's happening back there. Uh, even if we're over here in the diaspora, uh, we're very much connected and we're very much in the middle of it uh, and watching it uh, from the eyes of our families. And earlier this week, the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, spoke about it, saying, quote, the situation is concerning, and we are all very worried about families and friends. That's what Justin Trudeau said on Monday of what is happening in New Delhi. It barely made a blip here in Canada at all. But it was a considerably different deal in India itself. Back to Mr. Sandhu. It had a huge impact, like an uh, absolutely huge impact. It was a trending news uh, for the day uh, in India. It continues to be trending news there. Um, and also for the for the protesters on the ground, it was a morale boost. It was a huge morale boost because it, it signaled to them that the world cares. Um, people are watching. People are watching. People from around the world are watching, even though the majority of Canadians may know nothing about this dispute at all. More and more Canadians and more and more Torontonians are learning about it, however, because of protests and demonstrations that have been happening here in the GTA by the Sikh community, protesting what is happening in India. I should also mention that Patrick Brown has issued a statement of concern about what is happening in India. On Tuesday night, hundreds of demonstrators took to the streets of Toronto. And they raised awareness with a protest, first in the center of the city, and then they drove down very slowly down the Gardner Expressway, sort of, I wouldn't say blocking traffic, but slowing traffic significantly. This after a large rally at Nathan Phillips Square, and there have been similar protests in recent days in Brampton. And... Many of the organizers of these protests say you can expect more. So if you are someone that drives through the center of the city, or perhaps you live in Brampton, you may be inconvenienced. And maybe you are saying, well, that's ridiculous. Absolutely, this should not happen. It should not be allowed to take place. Well, here... 
Jaskaran Sandhu addresses that. This is a common uh, complaint, a common criticism of any protest. This is, this is level against Black Lives Matters as well, for example. Uh, the reality is, unless you're inconveniencing someone, no one's paying attention. That's the whole point of a protest. You're not having a protest if it doesn't inconvenience someone. Uh, and the point is to drive attention to the issue. Now, uh, is this a, a, an everyday occurrence that's going to happen every single time? No, this is a very specific act. Uh, and it was to, to send a statement. It was to send a, multiple statements. One, uh, to uh, Canada's media and to uh, Canadians themselves that, hey, uh, there's something going on that's impacting us. And I, we think as Canadians, we should care. But it also sends a message to the Indian state that if you think you can act with impunity, uh, you, you have this completely wrong. You cannot act with impunity. Uh, the diaspora, whether that's Punjabi or Sikh or South Asian in general, will stand up and speak because we have the rights to do that. We have the freedom to do that here. That is Jaskaran Singh Sandhu from the World Sikh Organization. And now you're up to speed on a protest or a, a situation that is happening half a world away that may have a real impact here in Toronto. And if you are looking for someone to say that this shouldn't be allowed to happen, then you're listening to the wrong radio host because we have the right to protest, all of us. That is enshrined. It is part of what Canadian society is. And if you're inconvenienced, then you're inconvenienced. Breaking news. York Region has avoided going into lockdown. The province has just updated the color-coded restrictions. York Region remains in red, does not move into lockdown. The other changes, well, the only changes are Middlesex, London, and Thunder Bay, those areas move to Orange, Halliburton, Kawartha, Pine Ridge moves to Yellow. The other change I can tell you about that has just happened in the last little bit, an update from Toronto Public Health. For any parents who got kids, got to pay attention to this. They have changed now the symptom guideline. Once again, runny or stuffy nose is back on the list of symptoms that requires you to keep a kid home to self-isolate, to get a COVID test, plus another addition, if one child has a symptom that requires self-isolation, all siblings must also self-isolate. That is developing news just coming out. Also, to tell you about developments in the Charles McVitie story, Bill 213, which is before the legislature, it has a schedule in it that would expand the powers of Canada Christian College to make it a degree-granting institution. Charles McVitie is a Christian evangelist, a friend and ally of Doug Ford. Yesterday, Bill 213 was spoken to in the House. It will be called on Monday by the government and is expected to pass. Mustafa Farouk is the chief executive officer of the National Council of Canadian Muslims. He joins me with a message to Doug Ford on the eve of what appears to be a vote on this bill. Mustafa, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. What do you want to say to Doug Ford and to the provincial conservative government of this province? Uh, it's really simple. Uh, we think that people who have taken unapologetic hate positions um, who have never recanted or apologized for them shouldn't get expedited treatment, uh, shouldn't get an expedited treatment during a moment of COVID 
when so many people need help, so many deserving churches, temples, places that are not affiliated with any faith community need help, uh, it doesn't make sense that somebody who's taken these terrible positions, never apologized for them, should get expedited treatment. So very simply, we want Schedule 2, which gives Canada Christian College its university accreditation status, out of the bill. The bill, as I said, uh, has passed second reading. It has finished its committee work. It looks like it will be called on Monday. The government's position all along has been and continues to be it will not enact the legislation until an independent process, an independent review of the application by Canada Christian College, the president of which is Charles McVitie, that they will not enact it until that independent process is complete. Your reaction to the government's position on this? Well, I think, again, I think it's an important, uh, it's important to, like, to appreciate the fact that this independent process will happen. But unfortunately, I think we have a case of putting the cart before the horse. Uh, you have a Canada, Canada's Christian College uh, being given um, status within a bill about expediting pro- applications during COVID to get it before an independent process uh, where it should have gone through that independent process before getting to the bill. Um, so we've really kind of reversed uh, the order of where things should be. Can you tell me a little bit about your understanding about Charles McVitie and what he stands for? Uh, well, I think Mr. McVitie has made his own stances quite clear. Uh, Mr. McVitie has called uh, members of the Haitian community uh, devil worshippers. Uh, Mr. McVetty has said that, uh, you know, you know, horrendous things about uh, Canada's Muslim community, and he's, you know, made it quite clear that he believes that Islam is not like other religions, like Christianity, and that it has a, a mandate for a hostile takeover. And I can tell you as a Muslim that that don't think that's true. Uh, he said terrible things about whole, you know, a number of other minority communities as well. Um, uh, you know, when you when you have a person who, you know, takes positions that are racist, uh, sexist, homophobic. Uh, the reality is that everyone can take those positions uh, and grow and learn, you know, if, as they grow through life. Mr. McVetty and his institution have not seen to have done that. And this is a legacy institution with these problems. Um, in fact, under Eugene McVetty, the previous Harris PC government, strips the Canada Christian College of its university accreditation status. Um, it simply doesn't make sense to put the cart before the horse um, and, and to give them accreditation status. And I, and I would be remiss not to note uh, that forward to a motion brought forward by Andrea Horvath's NDP and supported by Stephen DeLuca's uh, Liberal Party, um, a motion was passed in Ontario's legislature to condemn Mr. McBetty and his views. That motion passed. And despite the fact that a motion passed to condemn Mr. McVetty and his views, um, you know, it simply wouldn't make any sense to us that a man whose views have been condemned in the legislature uh, would uh, simultaneously be given expedited treatment. I'm wondering what you're planning for Monday if, uh, in accordance to what I understand, the, the House leader will call it. It is on the order paper. It looks like Monday afternoon it will pass. This bill will be passed. I'm not clear if it will go to royal assent right away, but I'm just wondering what you're planning for next week. I think we'll continue to engage in dialogue. Uh, we'll continue to support the calls of, um, of, of those who want Ontario 
especially in the times that we're in right now, to be a place of love, to be a place of respect, uh, to be a place where we know that learning is the path forward. And so we're going to continue to engage in that kind of dialogue, that kind of building up. Uh, this is not a time for tearing folks down. And that's exactly why, uh, you know, an institution like Mr. McVetty's, a man who's, you know, become unfortunately known by reputation as a man who's, you know, teared and torn people down, perhaps shouldn't get expedited treatment, perhaps should go through that independent process, get approved before anything else takes place. Mustafa Farouk, the Chief Executive Officer of the National Council of Canadian Muslims, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. So that happens on Monday, and we will stay on top of it here on the Alan Carter Radio Program. Welcome back to the program. Hello, parents, parents especially in Toronto. Just when you think you have it figured out, just when you thought it was safe to drive your kids back to school again. No, now we have new directions from Toronto Public Health. And helping me to discuss it is my producer, Sheba Siddiqui. Sheba, we have new rules. We do, we do. And I don't know how these are even possible. I, I mean, have you read this? So I think... We have new symptoms that you have to, I think you have to isolate for 14 days and get tested. So fever, cough, difficulty fever. breathing. Yeah. Here, here's the big change here. Stuffy and runny nose is back. Yeah, this that's is the, the difference. Thing. Runny nose. I have four kids, Alan. My whole house is a runny nose. We have runny <laughs> noses 12, 12 months a year. Yeah. And so now, not only does your child have to self-isolate with yes. a, a runny nose and get tested, their siblings have to get tested. Everybody in the whole house. So you get one of your munchkins got a runny nose. That all of a sudden it's lockdown time in the Siddiqui household. Well, you're going to hear screaming and fighting and yelling and crying in the background next time I'm talking to you. That's what's going to be going around. Seriously, all winter long. How do they expect every kid has a runny nose? Now, I get there was that outbreak at the school. I Uh understand that people are worried about that. But a runny nose is a part of your childhood. So now all of it, everything's going to be backlogged again. We're all going to be, you know, waiting, and all these appointments are going to be weeks away getting our kids tested. It's chaos. What do you well, think of this? I just here I, they haven't changed the testing procedures though. So now we're back to the situation, like you say, where you know just a little bit of goop running down the front of the kid's face. All of a sudden, they're got, they have to go and get a test and. And you, now you got to be able to, you know, do the appointment to go and do that, and that can be troublesome. And because it's symptomatic, it has to be a testing center. Can't be a um, you know, shopper's drug market or anything like that. I I don't know. I I I think there's mass confusion, and I think we're at a point now where parents are like, whatever, whatever. I'm yep. making it up. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm just going to tell my kids. Listen, don't tell anyone at school you have COVID. Yeah. Uh, just go to school. Tomorrow Shove this tissue up your schnoz and head <laughs> off to school. You've got to be kidding me. It's terrible. Sheba, do you like the movies? I love the movies. Do you, do you, I haven't do, been been to a it, theater in what feels like ten years, but I, I know love in the, the before times. Did you go to the theater? Would you Would you get the sitter? Would you go out? Would you do a movie All the night? Time. Really? All the t- and I would even take the kids when they behaved well. I miss those take, days. You, you do. Well, here, a giant, giant development in the world of movies and entertainment yesterday. This from Warner Brothers, which announced it is now going to 
all of its new movies will now stream on HBO Max at the same time that they're released in theaters. And I know you're saying to me, Sheba, you're saying, how do I get the HBO Max? How do I get signed up for this this beautiful uh, development? Chris Jan yes. Selowitz is a global news journalist and an expert on all of these things and joins us as well. Chris! Yes? Can I get the HBO Max here in Canada? <laughs> Unfortunately, no, you cannot. <gasps> no. Uh, that is weak. Chris, is your nose running at all? Mm-hmm. Is your nose running? You got a running nose at all? Because you need to stay home after that answer. <laughs> I'm safe. I'm safe. <laughs> um, are, tell, me, tell me what this means now. So we can't get HBO Max here, but so we'll still have movies in 2021 go to the theater in Canada, but we're not going to be able to stream, even though Crave has an HBO angle on it? Okay, so... I did a lot of research on this last night. I was getting a lot of messages from people. I saw a lot of reportage that said the opposite of what I said. Uh, So the bottom line is this. Crave, uh, so Crave sent me a statement uh, yesterday evening kind of clarifying what's going on. So basically, um, we in Canada will get the Warner Brothers movies. There's 17 movies on their slate planned for next year. Those movies will go here to theaters only. Upon release, there is no streaming uh, alternative on the day of release. That movie will play in theaters uh, for its entire theatrical run. So I'm thinking a month at least for most of these because they're pretty blockbuster. And then following that theatrical release window, then they will go to Crave. This is what I'm getting now. Now, (laughs) not only is it much later (laughs) after the release, so people will probably know all the spoilers, everything that happens. But the list that Crave sent to me, um, they might get mad at me for saying this, but the list they sent to me only listed a few movies. It didn't say all theatrical releases would come onto Crave, so I'm still a little iffy on whether or not that is the case. They the one I'm looking for is Dune. When's Dune coming? When, when can I see mm-hmm. Dune? Uh, not till mid-next year. Sorry. And that's only in a theater? <laughs> yes. Unless, unless I move uh, to the United States, yes, yes, and get HBO Max. That's, <laughs> that's the only way. Um, they did clarify that Wonder Woman 1984 is coming to Crave, and that will be sometime next year. Even though the movie's coming out on Christmas in the U.S., we're not getting it till 2021. I don't know when. Okay, uh, we don't get vaccines on time. Now we don't get Wonder Woman. I'm I'm upset. We have to wait for everything. It seems very, very, very upsetting. Um, the, a friend of mine in the industry told me that this is actually a move on HBO Max's part to elevate that service. And I just happened to see right before I hopped on the phone with you that not only have HBO Max subscriber numbers gone up, but interest is exponentially higher than it was even just yesterday. So, um, yeah, so we're seeing this as a big boon for HBO Max, that's for sure. I think, you know, what I think is really interesting here, I mean, beyond the fact that we're lagging behind, but eventually it will get here. It will get here eventually, is that even though Warner Brothers is saying, you know, next 12 months, next year sort of thing, I, this is this is a new paradigm, this is a very much a paradigm shift in terms of how movies will be rolled out going forward. There's no going back after this. That's right. And then so we've seen success of uh, Disney+. Plus been doing really well um and now we're going to get this hbo max success so we're going to see some studios possibly considering hmm 
you know, maybe I should pivot. Maybe we should be putting our stuff out on streaming instead. And what's really interesting is this this is a one-year plan, right, by Warner Brothers. One-year plan. So really what that's showing us as a, as a society is that it's showing a huge lack of faith in theaters opening anytime soon or, or getting back to their regular business. So it's really interesting uh, long-term to consider how is this going to impact movie theaters as a whole? And in general, like, are we as human beings going to, end up stopping going to theaters overall. I mean, it's really interesting to think about. Yeah, it, uh, what's interesting there is, what's the price point? Do you happen to know what the HBO Max price point is in the U.S.? Uh, I think it's pretty decent. It's under 20, I'm pretty sure. Uh, a month. I, I yeah, don't know so. the exact number, but um, it's pretty decent if this is what they're going to be offering. Well, and, uh, and then all of those films comes out. Like, you just think to yourself, okay, let's say, just say maybe four of those movies that you would go and see in the theater previously. I mean, what are you talking, 50, 80 bucks for a pair of you to go, you know, get some popcorn, all the rest of it. Meanwhile, you can pay, what, 20, sitting at home, have as much expensive Chablis as you like. <laughs> In your underwear, no less. All right, let's not, let's not paint a picture for people. It's still lunchtime. I don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I am more happy with staying at home. Um Frankly, not only for the reason you just stated, but just comfort. You know, I, it's more comfortable here. I mean, I guess I just don't get the big IMAX experience. So for all the cinephiles, it's probably an absolute nightmare scenario, at least in Canada. Yeah, but then they can go and, I mean, they can go and spend all the money and, and you know, watch the ads and the endless trailers and all the rest of it. That They can, you know, and spill popcorn all over and get, you know, pop on their shoe. They can do that. And the rest of us will just be in our gitch on the couch. Wonderful. All right, I thanks. Chris. I hadn't heard that word since university, so thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call it a comeback. They've been on forever. There's Chris Jansilowitz with Global News. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you being on. No problem. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? We got all of those things just wrapped right up there. Well, you know, you got your home entertainment changing. You got your, uh, you, you got your guidelines for kids going to school. All of it. Here on Task Force Friday. Task Force Friday. Thank you so much for spending your time with us this hour. I really do appreciate it. You know, there's a lot of times that we talk about contentious issues and, you know, open up the phone lines and we disagree. And we do sometimes, all of us, but it's about being respectful. It's about hearing each other. And it's about being safe, right? Just like Brian Pallister. You can hate me if you want. Maybe someday, maybe someday you'll respect me. That's the podcast for today. Don't forget, The Alan Carter Show is live weekdays starting at noon.